The first scripture reading is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 to 38, found on pages 1025 and 1026 of the Church Bible. Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This is the word of the Lord. I was in high school when I was a teenager. I went to a high school dance with my girlfriend at the time. And as we were dancing to the theme song of that dance, uh, it was sung by a sensational teenage country star in the USA named Leanne Rhymes. I checked and she's still doing music today. But I thought about the words of this song that we were dancing to as 17-year-olds there in high school. And the words are, if I had to live without you, what kind of life would that be? If you ever leave, baby, you would take away everything good in my life. How do I leave, or sorry, how do I live? How do I breathe? How do I ever survive without you? And I'm dancing there with my teenage girlfriend at a high school dance, listening to a singer who's even younger than me sing these strange words. Really? Your life is over if your boyfriend should go for some other lady instead of you? Come on, really? I just found it utterly unbelievable. Why are we letting teenagers tell us what our souls should feel like and what they ought to do? That seems a little bizarre. But by now, you should be thinking, well, that's exactly what we've been doing with the children all morning, right? We've been listening to their songs, and as children, and as some teenagers, they've been putting the words of Mary into our ears again, the song of Mary. Mary's no American country star, but she is a teenage girl. And 
we're taking note of her song and even allowing her song to instruct our spirits this morning, aren't we? So let's take a look here. First of all, at this strange, unexpected visitation. An angel visits Mary. Now, right from the beginning, Gabriel surprises us, doesn't he? Of course, he surprises Mary, but he surprises us too. That's because the princesses, the princes, the priests, the pastors maybe, the rabbis, the rulers of the synagogue, you know, the church council persons, successful people, these are the people that God favors, right? The other day I went with um, my brother Jörg Kessler to have lunch with two church officials from the Landeskirche here. And so I put on my suit and my tie and I pulled out all of my German, which isn't that much, and I was nervous. Because why? Because both of these people had in their title the word president. And I'm just a new guy here. I'm a pastor. They were important. And I'm just the new kid. But Gabriel surprises us, doesn't he? Because he doesn't go to the president, to the king, to the princes, to the rabbis, to the rulers. He goes instead to Mary, a teenage young woman. And he says, verse 28, Greetings, you who are highly favored. Now, I think that Gabriel was himself, kind of like me going to meet those important people the other day, full of excitement and maybe even nervous. Why? Because this angel is not stupid. This angel Gabriel knows that he has been sent on the mission of a lifetime. Gabriel knows who this unknown woman is, not just some lower middle class teenage girl, but a young woman who, who was selected, after all, to bear and to give birth to and then to mother God's own son. If you're Gabriel, you are thrilled at this opportunity. Peter tells us, 1 Peter 1.12, that the angels in heaven are always looking into the matters of human affairs. And they're watching the story, the drama of, of redemption unfold on the human, human stage with great interest and joy. It's their preoccupation. And so Gabriel gets selected to make this all-important visit. He's the luckiest angel, you might say, in all of heaven. And so he feels he must, highly favored. The Lord is with him. And now he has the privilege of telling Mary that she is highly favored, that the Lord is with her. And what's Mary's reaction? Verse 29, she's greatly troubled. Imagine you're a teenage girl and some guy shows up in your bedroom out of nowhere. That would freak all of us out. And it troubled her. And Gabriel right away, he's a gentleman. He can tell that she's troubled. And so he speaks tenderly and he assures her, verse 30, I know this is a surprise. I know that this plan, verse 34, makes no sense. But there are two things that you should know, verses 30 through 33. Thing number one, you have found Mary favor with God. Thing number two, your son will save the world. What a strategy. What a way for God to demonstrate that in his kingdom, 
the smallest people are crowned with grace and favor and are made princesses and princes in the kingdom of God. He allows the very body of an unknown woman to become the temple and the home of the world's hero. And so if you, this, this morning, have been listening to what the children have been singing and you've heard this passage read and you're tracking with me, if you don't think that God knows you, you're too insignificant. You don't think that God in Christ is calling you this morning to serve him with all you have, that he wants you in his royal family, then you're not hearing what's happening all around us. If you're a teenager and you think that it doesn't matter right now whether you dedicate your life completely to the Lord, you can maybe do that when you're older and you don't have so many interesting things to do. Well, listen to the song of this teenager who sang from her own actual experience at your age. Lord, my experience of your grace has been so profound and incredible that you can do whatever you want with my life. And so the question for all of us, teenager or not, can you sing with Mary? Can you sing, look, this is all a little extreme, a little bit bizarre. I don't quite understand it all. But if you want to elevate me, small me, to this level of dignity and responsibility, for your own reasons, by your own grace, then Lord, I am 100% yours. Can you sing that with the children? Can you sing that with teenage Mary? That's what we should be singing together. We continue with the second reading, which is from Luke 1, verses 39 to 45 page 1026. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. This is the word of the Lord. Last week, Zechariah, a priest, was not expecting God's advent. And when this same angel, Gabriel, showed up, he responded, as we saw, with unbelief, with cynicism. He was too brokenhearted to continue to believe and expect. And, of course, as we said with the children, he wasn't allowed, therefore, to speak for nine months so that he could reckon with God's goodness to him. But by great contrast, look here what Zechariah's son, the son that he'd been longing for for all of these years, the son who is just six months of gestational age in Elizabeth's womb, look at what Zechariah's son does. 
Jesus shows up himself, just a teeny tiny little, I don't know the stage, a zygote maybe? Is that the word? Inside of Mary's womb. Jesus shows up for a little visit. And John, in Elizabeth's belly, starts freaking out with excitement. Verse 41. It's as if he's already in the womb, telling forth the joy of God's coming, of his advent. And as he does, the text tells us here, verse 42, that Elizabeth, his mother, is filled with the Holy Spirit. She herself erupts into a loud song herself. Why is God so kind to me that I get to stand here and talk with the mother of my Lord? And by the way, that's another profound thing. Do you see what she did? She called this teensy tiny little thing inside of Mary's womb her Lord. Astonishing. Now there's a woman who is expecting not just a baby, but who is expecting God's advent. And then Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, says to Mary, blessed are you. Blessed are you, Mary, because you've believed what the Lord promised that he would do for you. Now, here are two women. Two women who don't feel like they've deserved any of this grace, any of these special privileges. Women who receive these privileges and these responsibilities as well with gratitude and with great joy. And women who have committed then to do difficult things to fulfill these responsibilities. Now, I have three boys. Bearing, birthing, nursing, and raising a boy is difficult for a, a mom of any age. You can ask my wife. She's done it now three times and is still doing it. But now try doing that as a woman who is, like Elizabeth, either well advanced in years, as Luke says politely, or who is, like Mary, a teenager and really not ready for any of this. But both of them say, this is literally a royal privilege to me, and I will do it with great joy. What happens when someone is elevated by grace to a position of great privilege and great responsibility? Well, they say things like, I have been treated like royalty, and I don't deserve it. John 3.30, perhaps. Now, the Lord must increase, and I can go ahead and decrease. Who said that, by the way? John 3.30. You must increase and I must decrease. Well, it was John the Baptist, right? And guess who's, mom, guess who's uh, John the Baptist's mom? Elizabeth, right here. And guess where John the Baptist learned this principle? You can exalt me all you want, but when I get the chance, I will make sure that I decrease and that he increases in my place. Where do you think John the Baptist learned this? From mom. And in a very real way, our Lord Jesus himself learned to place himself in the humble service of his heavenly father as a young human boy and then as a young man by watching his mom, Mary, do things just like she did in our passage. Mary receives the smile of God's favor 
and right away turns and commits herself without any reservation to God's kingdom. You know, Jesus even looked down from the cross, didn't he? And saw his mother standing there. I wonder, in the midst of his suffering, as he saw his mother, John tells us he did, while he was taking away our sins in his death, I wonder if he thought to himself, now there's the woman from whom I learned from the time I was even an unborn baby in her womb how to commit myself completely to my God and Father. May I be as faithful in these final hours as I commit my life and my spirit into the hands of my Heavenly Father. I have no idea if the Lord Jesus thought those things, but I do know his mother taught him so much of what he knew, and she was standing there watching him give his life for us. Let's take the example of these two women And when we're elevated to a position of great prestige and grace as children of the living God, let's be sure to say, take my life and let it all be consecrated, Lord. We continue with the third scripture reading, Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 56. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. This is the word of the Lord. Well, finally now, Mary's song itself. The Magnificat in Latin, my soul magnifies the Lord, she sings. Why this song? Well, verse 48, because she was a nobody in the world's eyes. But the creator of all things looked down on all of his creation and looked down and took notice of her. And now she says, because of this favor that I have found, every generation will consider me as I really am. Blessed, happy, privileged, graced. And Mary realizes that this is good news, not just for her. So it's as if she takes all of Israel's hopes and prayers and songs and she sings for them. Here. Verse 54, she recognizes that her whole nation is graced and privileged and exalted now. Mary is, in many ways, the perfect symbol or stand in for Israel as a nation. Almost forgotten, it seems, poor and insignificant, 
facing many difficulties. And God, Mary realizes, is being gracious both to small Mary and to small Israel. Merciful against all expectations. How? Well, she sings by being the king that she knows that God is. She sings of God's power. It's one of her main themes. He's the mighty one, verse 49. She sings about how God will use his power and use power the right way, the way that none of us have been able to use power. And that is to bring the proud and the boastful down, but to exalt the humble and the lowly, verses 51 and 52. And even though the theme of Mary's song is the power of God, she also highlights the mercy of God as well. Just as Zechariah's Advent song last week was about God coming in power, but also coming to forgive sins, Mary's Advent song is itself all about God's mercy. She mentions God's mercy, verses 50 and 54. When we humble ourselves, Mary's teaching us as she sings, and recognize not just our powerlessness and in and our need for someone who is more powerful. But when we recognize also the unworthiness of our very character, then God loves to draw near and to show merciful, merciful love to us. Friends in Christ, Advent of all seasons is especially no time to be proud. It's no time to think that your family or your children, that your work or your church, that your heart or your good deeds are something to brag about. Advent, Mary sings to us from her own experience of God's grace. Advent is what happens to us when we humble ourselves and we say to the Lord, you know, Father, I'm not much, you know this. We are not much. But if you want to, you are powerful enough to do something glorious, even with little us, even with sinful people like us. And you're merciful enough to do anything you want with us. And if you do, Lord, we're singing, we're praying with Mary here. If you do, Lord, my soul, my heart will not be proud. My spirit will not be boastful within me. Instead, my soul will magnify the Lord, and my spirit will rejoice in God my Savior. Mary's song calls us to be ready to have great expectation, and to be ready and willing when the Lord says, I will be gracious to you, and though you're humble, and though you sin, can forgive your sin and I can bring you into my kingdom and I can exalt you and give you magnificent things to do for my glory. Will you be my servant? And that's the question that Mary leaves us all with this morning. Will we say, Lord, anything you'd like with me and my life, my soul will magnify my Lord and my spirit will rejoice in God my Savior.